The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Of course, we get the opportunity to speak with Mike Zuzalo this afternoon with Global Commodity Analytics. And I tell you, Mike, I was happy to see some green on the screen for soybeans today. Yeah, I think we all were, Susan. I think we were getting to the point where the uh, type of mindset that the market was starting to get entrenched in, uh, especially after Friday's close, was was reminiscent of 2008, 2009 and the financial crisis because that seemed like the phone calls that I've been taking were certainly getting to that level. And we did. We saw that the uh, I think the central and western Corn Belt weather over the weekend was really disappointing to the producers who wanted rain, needed rain, uh, for the most part, anyway, there were some areas that got hit, but I, I think you've got a market now that uh, we could find a bottom. I think, um, based upon the soy meal price action and the NOPA crush number being the highest ever for a month of June that was released at mid-session, uh, I think you could find a bottom here, and the market may be wanting to reevaluate last week's USDA, especially their world grain stocks numbers. Um, in the context of maybe the U.S. national yield no longer being at a 180 uh, bushel potential. I think this is what I'm looking at this week most of all. If you don't get any negative, fresh news from the trade side of the equation, um, I think it could be that the market comes swings back around essentially and says, well, the major exporters wheat stocks to use minus United States is a record low of 13%. The world corn stocks to use for this upcoming year of 1819 is 13.9%. That's actually below 2012, below 2006, and below 2007. So it, it, from my uh, analysis, it's at least a 10 or 15-year low. And then if you look at the corn stocks in the world, minus the United States, kind of like the wheat, they're coming in at about 112 million tons in 2012. That was only 110 million tons. So I guess what I'm getting at is we are primed, if the soybeans don't want to drag the market any farther down, that the feed grains are, for the first time in probably four years, potentially wanting to add some premium if the yield numbers are starting to drop in corn. Which, uh, looking at the way we're seeing the cooler weather is supposed to come in in the next couple of weeks, hopefully that would be a benefit for this corn market, that, or the corn crop that is, that it's been so drastically hit by some warmer temperatures. Yeah, you bring up a major point. Not only will this afternoon's crop conditions kind of lay the groundwork, I think, for how much the trade wants to cover shorts in the corn market, but I think your point is really well taken because not only were the, was the rainfall totals over the weekend pretty disappointing for the most part in that central and western corn belt area i think the european model still trying to promote mid 90s uh in the seven day outlook but yes there's a brief cool down but it's not one that lasts like the gfs model is suggesting and so i think this is where kind of like early june if you remember right around the 6th 7th of june uh, we were looking pretty dry and the northern corn belt iowa minnesota was looking extremely wet and you had a situation where you maybe would lose a big part of the corn production potential and then those rains came right when we needed them for the most part in the central and western corn belt i think you're kind of sitting on the exact same type of scenario here in terms of production loss potential 
if you don't cool down, if you don't get a couple rains here. And so this is where the corn crop, I think, is really going to be made in terms of being able to go over that 174 national yield that USDA kept in their report last week. And it seems like by mid-July, we really start to pay closer attention to these weekly reports from the USDA to see where we are crop progress-wise. Yeah, you've got a lot more eyes on the ground. You've got a lot more satellites and eyes up above. And you've got the field days starting to kick in. You've got the Husker harvest days starting to be talked about. And, um, you know, you've got the things going on that help you pull back the shuck and take a look at the corn um, that, you know, you will have a pretty good idea of how much tip back you have, how much nick did you miss, and things like that. And we're very astute to that because these genetics and these hybrids are, are meant to really kick uh, the, the, the hit the gas pedal from planting to right before blister stage. And uh, if you have any hiccups there, you're probably going to have the most likely scenario develop where you could have a 10% or more yield hit. After that, unless you have a real hard freeze, it gets real, really tough to hurt the crop. Wondering, what are your thoughts on weekly export inspections? I know for corn, for example, coming in on the lower end of the range. Yeah, I think at this stage of the game, I'm, I'm more nervous if they don't meet trade expectations and that we fall behind, behind last year's numbers. And we didn't do that this year. I do think that your point, um, maybe if you're trying to make that USDA bumped up our exports last week, 125 million bushels, it's extra critical right now we don't slip and we want to continue to see a very strong pattern develop of corn exports in particular and maybe even sorghum uh, exports develop too because of the idea that maybe NAFTA is not going to hurt us as bad as we had thought and that Mexico will come back in and take quite a bit of our sorghum off our hands. They are in, uh, in part of their corn belt in Mexico domestically, they are in quite a bit of a drought right now. They're not unlike Texas so if we don't have any more trade hiccups, I think we really could hold that demand base very well intact. And no surprise when we look at soybeans, especially like the export wire today has continued to be on the quiet side. Yeah, and, and they will be because China bought ahead and Brazil still has excess supplies and, you know, the outright consumption, both in terms of China's numbers and our numbers last week, both brought the consumption overall down. They're going to substitute and we did have some demand erosion, and they are sitting literally on record stocks of soy meal right now. So it's really, and interestingly enough, it's still about the United States and South America. Around, folks, we do have more of the Fontenelle final bell coming up. Mike Suzalo is joining us. We're going to take a look at some crude oil, the livestock, and a lot more on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining us for part two with Global Commodity Analytics. And I want to talk a little bit. I know there is a trade team that is coming to the United States. I mean, they're arriving later this week, um, spending time in Texas before they come up to Kansas. And we'll spend a good chunk of a week looking at Kansas agriculture. As we continue, Mike, to see these folks come into the United States, are they wanting more information? Yeah, I think President Trump has been um, trying to really work the phone, so to speak, very, very hard, Susan. And I think this may sound strange, but to me, I think you bring up a massive point. It, it strikes me as odd how many delegations are coming and how many key delegations are coming. It sure feels like uh, the demand is brewing, and it almost feels like a 95-96 type demand market 
again. But that shouldn't be that strange to say because of these stocks to use. I mean, when the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization puts out their biannual, semi-annual uh, crop report and their food outlook, they made note of that on Friday that we have very tight supplies of wheat and corn globally. And I think this goes back all the way to what you and I have been talking about pretty much all year long, and that is the dollar. If the dollar doesn't rally sharply against the Mexican peso, against the Brazilian real, against the Russian ruble, against the Japanese yen, all of a sudden you have, especially in the wheat and the corn, and to a lesser degree the soy, a lot more potential for demand to come in and exports to flow out the door. And the dollar is our best gauge, I think, and it has been, and it continues to be our best gauge as to whether we're really going to break this market down and it's going to be like we've seen in the past with trade protectionism where it ends up being years, not months. And that's the market I don't think has decided quite yet whether it's going to go on very long, and that's to the credit of the dollar. So that's that's something that will stay in the forefront of my analysis when I talk to clients. What are your thoughts on crude oil as we had believe it or not, talk and fall already. Yeah, and we had a big fall led by London. So what does that mean? Well, it could be several things, but I think part of it could be that China's growth is slowing down. Their second quarter GDP came out last night, and I think you were ready for a technical break in the crude oil at the end of last week. But I think maybe China's fundamentals came in and helped push that along. Their full-year target of 6.5% growth may be vulnerable right now because their investment in things like new homes and factories and roads and ports, it was actually uh, the slowest in two years uh, on this data that came out. Now, the good news, I think, potentially for the U.S. producers for corn, beans, wheat, and livestock is that this might be one of the best times the next couple, three months to see if we can't get a break in diesel prices and lock in our fall diesel needs or lock in some of our trucking needs when we're getting ready to haul, uh, haul our fall livestock numbers around. So this is, again, a very crucial time because of the crude oil. This may want to be one of the better breaks to the downside that we see in the next several months. And I say that because our U.S. supplies here are dropping rapidly due to that can- Canadian shut-in. Look at this cattle market because we're seeing some higher trade when we normally would be looking at some lower numbers. Yeah, this is a huge point. I'm glad we talked about this because you had dress weights go up two pounds uh, versus last uh, week. You're going higher with the seasonal and the weights. Uh, you typically peak in September, October. Uh, you had a pretty large supply of production at 521 million pounds this past week. But I think here again it goes back to the feeder fat spread. The feeders were able to rally. And with the feeder fat spread at $45, and that's the highest since the fourth quarter of 2015, if the feeders go up, I think the fats are going to go up even faster. I think that's what the logic would be given this spread. So I think it's important to watch the technical resistance levels from the 1st of July at August fat cattle. That 108.45 level, if we can get above that, we may be able to get into that 110 112 area and that's where the cash prices are right now so august fat cattle 112 113 i think that's a hedge target if we can break above that uh, july 2nd high and i'm guessing at this point and kind of banking on the idea that the feeder cattle market if it doesn't break uh and and that's where the corn comes into play if we don't have a sharp rally in the corn that halts this feeder cattle rally then fat cattle may be on their way to hit that uh, resistance and try and go above it when can we see a pickup for the cash market 
I think that is going to be right here right now because seasonally you don't typically get it. You know, this is kind of the heart of summer. We've passed July 4th, and we've only got one big holiday left. And with gas prices pretty high right now, I think you're right there right now in terms of uh, getting the cash market to move higher, Susan. We've definitely seen that, too, in some area sale barns. I, I've seen a lot of social media posts saying these sale barns are on fire because of the numbers they're seeing come in and the prices they're getting. Yeah, you know, you've had the Packers with, with the extremely strong, if not record, profits, and they've just been real tight-fisted, and it seems like they're just buying hand-to-mouth. What is the best way, Mike, for folks to get a hold of you? Best way is go to the website and look around. I think you'll find a lot of good stuff on that, globalanalytics.biz. You can register for a two-week free trial, and there's just a ton of information on there that I think you'll find very useful. Otherwise, give me a call and tell me what uh, your specific needs are, 866-471-2588. All right, thanks so much, Mike. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network.